We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 67th ever and show 15 of year two for All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com, one word. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my events of the week that I attended, which was Monday's Deutsche Bank Golf Championship Media Day press conference and Tuesday's Big East Football Media Day in Newport, Rhode Island. Also, in a half hour, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week is simply the Olympics, where America got off to a great start in leading the medal count, highlighted, of course, by Michael Phelps and Gabby Douglas garnering gold in swimming and gymnastics, respectively. Michael Phelps didn't win all the medals this year, but he certainly won as many as he needed, capping it off with... Uh, with his gold medal last evening on TV. And he is now the most decorated athlete in Olympic history, winning the most gold medals ever. I believe it's 20, an amazing figure. And Gabby Douglas uh, has simply stolen America's heart with uh, her winning the all-around gold medal in women's gymnastics to go along with her team gold medal as Team USA won the overall team championship earlier this week. Well, it's fabulous to have the Olympics on all day and all night, including channels dedicated exclusively to basketball and soccer, not to mention the other endless coverage from NBC. The only problem is that the results are known before playing out on primetime. There's no blame here, and I tried to avoid knowing the results for the first day or two. 
But after countless spoiler alerts, I finally gave up and just get the results as they come in and then watch the events that night knowing who won, but still enjoying the flavor of actually watching the events unfold. And it's apparently not hurting uh, NBC, who is just recording some record ratings, and good for them. I think they're handling it as well as you could possibly expect. Uh, there's been some critiquing of their coverage, but all in all, I think it's been great. And what are you going to do about a time difference? London's five, six hours ahead, so it is what it is. My low light of the week, sticking with the Olympics, is the now infamous badminton fixing scandal, which is really about as bad as it gets in sports. But when it's in the Olympics and its well-known worldwide spirit of competition, it's even worse. China issued apologies all around for throwing a match to secure better seating, which uh, created a situation where a number of other teams got involved, and frankly, it's just a big mess. But all you can say is, what were they thinking? My bizarre story of the week is the confusion last night surrounding the bronze medal for the all-around individual title in women's gymnastics. Allie Raisman, the gymnast from my neighboring town of Needham, Massachusetts, ended up tied with Russian Alia Mustafina for third place, i.e. the bronze medal. But Ali ended up in fourth place due to the tie-breaking procedure, which meant no trip to the medal stand for her. The town of Needham has come up huge, backing Ali with signs everywhere all over town. I've driven through in the last couple days, and it has really been something to see. They've been having giant watch parties during her competitions. And obviously the town clearly was disappointed with how it all played out. However... I believe given the tiebreaker costing Ali a medal, and more importantly the class and sportsmanship she portrayed in handling this disappointment, that she might become a huge post-Olympic personality and in fact may become one of the faces of this entire Olympics. Well, my first week event of the week that I covered was the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship Media Day on Monday in advance of the FedEx Cup event, which is scheduled here in the Boston area in its traditional Labor Day weekend slot. And hard to believe, but it's the 10th year for the event. I've attended every single year. It's uh, less than a half an hour drive from my house. So it has been wonderful to watch. And for this year's Media Day, uh, Webb Simpson, last year's Deutsche Bank champion, was unavailable. Uh, as most of you may know, he did not go to the British Open because his wife was expecting their second child. Indeed, the child has arrived. So Webb was, uh, was being a good father and unavailable. But we got instead local favorite Keegan Bradley from Hopkinton, Massachusetts, again, uh, about a half an hour from where I live and where I'm broadcasting at this moment. And here's what Keegan had to say about playing in last year's event, which occurred just after he won the PGA, his first major. Remarkable. The, the people in Boston really treated me unbelievably uh, at that at Deutsche Bank. And uh, being able to throw up the first pitch at Fenway and put the club with the Patriots and, and do all that 
of stuff was something I've always wanted to do uh, as everyone's a huge fan of all Bob. And I just, I just was able to do things that only you dream about as a little kid, and that kind of made everything just so, so special for that tournament. Well, Keegan Bradley was clearly living the dream at last year's Deutsche Bank, to put it mildly. And uh, here we are again with the 2012 Deutsche Bank Championship, just right around the corner uh, at the end of August into early September. And here's what Bradley had to say about the upcoming Deutsche Bank. I was blown away with how I was treated last year at the Deutsche Bank. And, you know, I, I hope it's going to be like that again. And it would be so great to get it going in front of those, in front of the Boston fans, because they really, unlike any tournament I've ever played it, they, they were extremely behind me. And it felt really good to, to have that. And, um, you know, I think I put a lot of, too much pressure on myself last year. So this year I'd love to get, get it rolling out there, and it would be really great to win that tournament. Well, again, last year he came in as just uh... – the star of stars returning to Boston just a couple of weeks after winning his first major. And here's Keegan talking about his first major, the PGA tournament last August of 11. It does seem sometimes like a dream. I, I can't, I, I'm not able to watch the replays of the PGA. I get too nervous. So, you know, I, part of me is amazed that it happened. I mean, I'm, I'm back on it and, think about how different my life would be if I didn't win that PGA or if I lost that playoff. It, it, it's kind of a, a brutal thing to think about, but my life has changed a lot in terms of at golf tournaments. It's not changed at all the golf course, you know, with my buddies and my friends. Uh, I enjoy all that comes with winning major championships and tournaments and PGA Tour, but I try to keep everything the same. I mean, there, there are specific things that have, that have changed dramatically, but, you know, I try to keep my life the same. I mean, I'm the same kid that, that grew up in Boston and in Vermont than that I am now. Well, as you can clearly hear, Keegan Bradley is a very likable fellow. He truly, truly gets it. And if you're looking for someone to root for in next weekend's PGA tournament uh, coming up, the fourth major of the year, Keegan Bradley would be a pretty good choice. And here's what uh, Keegan had to say about defending his championship next week. The Kiowa is an, is an unbelievable golf course. I think it's going to be very difficult, especially if the, if the weather, if the wind kicks up, obviously, right on the ocean there. Uh, the, I look forward to I love when, when I'm playing a lot on the PGA Tour. So, you know, going to Akron and PGA and then having the playoffs is, is great for me because it, you can kind of get on a little bit of a run or a little roll. And being able to know that I'm going back up to the Northeast, playing in New York and especially Boston in the next couple months, in the next month, makes it even more exciting. And after the PGA and after the Deutsche Bank, coming in late September, will be uh, just simply one of the great sports events uh, every two years, which is the Ryder Cup. I had the good fortune of attending the Ryder Cup at Brookline Country Club here, near, here in Boston in 1999. Uh, easily one of the top five sports events I've ever attended in my life. I was there on Sunday, the day Justin Leonard sunk the 45-foot putt to give the Americans uh, an amazing Sunday comeback victory over the European team, and I'll just never forget it as long as I live. So here's what Keegan Bradley had to say about uh, his hopes for the Ryder Cup. Thinking about it, I'm trying not to think about it, uh, but it's definitely on my mind at all times. Um, 
I, that Captain Davis Love has really, you know, reached out to me and has given me some advice and told me to, you know, take it one shot at a time and, and go get into the process of playing each tournament and each shot. And, you know, it's, it's difficult because I just missed out on the President's Cup last year, so I really want this pretty bad, and that, that can be a negative. Uh, so, you know, I'm just trying to... I know that if I have a, a decent last end of the year, I'll be on that team. So if I, if I just play okay, I'm going to get into that top eight spot. But, you know, this U.S. team is one of the strongest in, in recent history, I'd say, with all major winners coming from America except the British Open. And it's, just, it's a very hard team to qualify for because of all the great play by Americans. So Keegan Bradley has an interesting potential couple of months ahead. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch. And as I mentioned earlier, Keegan grew up in Hopkinton, Mass., about a half an hour from where I'm standing at this moment. And also in Hopkinton, Mass., is one of America's great companies, EMC Corporation. And EMC has been a longtime sponsor of the Deutsche Bank Championship. And one of their executives, Bill Scannell, deeply involved in the Deutsche Bank Championship, spoke also at the press conference and really captured the flavor uh, as, as a true New Englander of what the Deutsche Bank Championship means up here in Boston every Labor Day weekend. And here's uh, Bill Scannell talking about the Deutsche Bank. You know, Keegan Bradley is not the only great thing to come out of Hopkinton, Mass. That's where you can see his headquarters, so just a 15, 20, mile ro- uh, 20 miles down the road. So we're uh, thrilled to be part of the uh, sponsorship, and you, know, you can't pick up a newspaper today without reading about the economic headwinds. You know, the video talked about the headwinds in 2009. Well, here we are in 2012, and the economy's not great anywhere, especially in the uh, Eurozone countries where Deutsche Bank is headquartered. So I applaud Deutsche Bank for continuing to step up, and also EMC to step up and, and provide the sponsorship for this great event, because... Besides the golf element of it, it really is about the local charities. I mean, what we do for the local economy and what we do for the local charities and the Tiger Woods Foundation is really incredible. And in tough times, it's easy to do it in good times, but in in difficult times to be able to step up and and make that commitment uh, is a real testament to how strongly we feel about what the tournament does and what it does for the local charities. Um, So we're thrilled to have been involved with this as a founding sponsor starting 10 years ago, last year as the uh, local supporting uh, sponsor, and again this year, and uh, as Seth said, we're very, very close to uh, signing up another four years, so once that happens, EMC is prepared to, to step up as well, so um, we're looking forward to a great Labor Day weekend, you know, if you're from the Boston area on Labor Day weekend, you do one of two things, you either pack up the car and head down to the Cape or the Islands, or if you're not fortunate enough to have a place down on the Cape or Islands, like myself, you stay local and you see some of the greatest golf around. Uh, you know, the, uh, Keegan talked a lot about the cheers for uh, him last year. I don't know if it was for him or if it was a Thursday morning watching you play Seth. So uh, if, you know, if you're around Labor Day weekend, you see some really good golf with the guy to my right. And that was Bill Scannell from EMC talking about his company's sponsorship of the Deutsche Bank Championship. And he was referring to, at the end there, Seth Waugh from Deutsche Bank itself. Uh, the president of Deutsche Bank, and it was great to uh, to again listen to Bill talk about uh, the history of the sponsorship and what the 
what the tournament does for local charities. And Bill Scano, impressive fellow from an impressive company and a very, very good golfer in his own right. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be sound bites from Big East Football Media Day this week in Newport, Rhode Island. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific. Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby, and to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, now it's time for my second event of the week that I attended, which was Big East Football Media Day in Newport, Rhode Island. A very, very well-run event. Uh, it was the second time I've attended it. I went last August. I was also at the Viking Hotel in Newport, Rhode Island. And they just have a great format where they have uh, all the coaches seated at tables in a gigantic ballroom for an hour. And then they have players then come in in the second hour and... They're seated uh, also at their team tables and available for print and radio media, television as well. So, again, just a terrific event. And right off the bat, I want to uh, get into a great, great uh, subject, which is Eric Legrand, former Rutgers player who was paralyzed. And I had a chance to catch up with Rutgers head coach Kyle Flood to talk about Eric Legrand. 
Eric is, uh, Eric is, is still around our program quite a bit because he's finishing up school. And uh, he's a great reminder you know, for everybody in our football program that you may have hurdles in your life that you have to jump over, but there, there are none that are, that are too big to overcome. And what were your thoughts when you saw him that night at, uh, at the ESPYs? I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him because, you know, like anything else, he's done more and more of these speaking engagements you know, after the injury, and he's gotten better and better, and he's really developing his craft now as being a TV personality. I think he's got a great career ahead of him, you know, in the media, on radio, and on TV, and, and we're really excited for him, and they, they certainly couldn't have picked a better person to give the award to. Well, my question to Coach Kyle Flood about Eric Legrand's SB speech was uh, obviously referring to what was one of the great, great speeches in recent memory. It was practically Jim Valvano level, appropriately enough, at the SBs. And, uh, wow, Eric Legrand just dazzled that night, and it was great to get that feedback from the current coach of Rutgers. Another uh, high-profile coach that was speaking uh, was... University of South Florida coach Skip Holtz talking about the Big East. It's every year. The difference between winning and losing in this league is is extremely small. I don't know what those numbers were last year, but I know two years ago we were second only to the Southeast Conference in margin of victory in conference games. I think it shows just how competitive this league is from top to bottom. And like I said, there's not a game on the schedule you can say, all right, that one should be a win, that one should be a win. If it's a conference game, roll them up and get ready to fight because it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to go down to who doesn't have a turnover, who makes a play in the kicking game, who doesn't hurt themselves. Uh, it's a well-coached team. It's a well-coached league. I think the coaches in this league are very fundamental. They're very disciplined, and I think there's a lot, an awful lot of talent in this league. I keep saying this to everybody that comes by. You know, the Big East right now, from a product standpoint, is extremely healthy. When you look at our record, bowl records and non-conference records, we have played well in the non-conference games against those quote, quote BCS leagues. Uh, the image is not there right now. And a lot of that will be shored up when the commissioners put in place, the television deal is done, the new teams come in, and that stability is put in place. But right now, if you told me I could have product or image, I'd take product because the image will catch the product. And our product, we have the same opportunity to play in as everybody else does right now. Charlie. Well, as you can hear, Skip Holtz is a very compelling personality, and he was talking about the Big East, and like every conference in America, has undergone dramatic changes in this offseason, a year unlike any other, to put it mildly. And one of the new members, returning for a second time, is Temple from Philadelphia. And here was Coach uh, Temple coach Steve Adazio talking about the schedule. The philosophy is a MAC team. I mean, uh, you know, we played Penn State, we played Maryland. Uh, we have Notre Dame coming on the schedule when we were a MAC team, and they're still on the schedule. We're playing all those teams, and we're going to continue to do that. So I think it's really important. I think you, you know, you want to come out there and say, hey, listen, we have a strong conference. We play strong non-conference opponents. Take a look at where we are. What's our record? What have we done? What's you know? That, that's what it's all about. You know, I mean, heck, I was at Florida for six years now. We played some some pretty easy non-conference of tune-up games now. So, you know, I mean, uh, I think we play a very challenging, a very challenging non-conference game. Well, 
Well, Temple has really uh, improved their football program in recent years, and they're sure to be a worthy, worthy contender in the Big East. And here was UConn coach Paul Pasqualoni talking about Temple arriving into the Big East this year. I think that Temple brings quality, a really quality program. They bring, you know, uh, a tradition of being in the Big East, of being in 1A football for a long time. Uh, this is not a 1AA program that's making the move. Uh, they've played this level of competition, you know, over the years. They played this level of competition last year. Uh, played Penn State toe-to-toe, go down and beat Maryland, you know. Uh, so this isn't their first barbecue, so to speak. Uh, I've always had a great deal of respect for the players, um, the coaches, the coach who played at Temple. I personally have played Temple quite a few times and uh, never had an easy time playing them. So uh, what I think is you better be prepared to play Temple because Temple's going to play hard, they're going to be well coached, uh, and they're going to be capable of winning games. And should be interesting to watch how Temple and UConn do in the upcoming Big East season. The overwhelming favorite in the Big East this year is defending co-champion Louisville. And here was Coach Charlie Strong talking about the Cardinals' history. They haven't because we haven't been a consistent. We just haven't consistently won. You think about the last time we in '06 we went to the Orange Bowl, but since then. I think in 07 we were picked. I think in 07 we were picked to win this conference and didn't win. I think that was the last time we were picked to win this conference. And we are. We're a young football team. We still have a lot of growing up to do. We need to find someone who can step up and just just lead this team. And we, we with the with the small amount of seniors, then your biggest our biggest concern is is just. How well this football team can can move from year one to year two, not so much year one, from last year to this season with the youth that it had. Yeah. So it, it would be it's going to be interesting because because when with the number of starters we have returning, uh, just my major concern is going to be uh, j- just the leadership of, and and just where guys don't get full of themselves. And that happened last year. We're we going to be a good West Virginia team. We come home and lose to Pittsburgh. And not that Pittsburgh was a bad team, but you would go, if you think if you can go on the road and beat a good team, then to come home, you would feel, feel like they would come home and, and ready to go play. That was Louisville coach Charlie Strong. And another coach, uh, Cincinnati's Butch Jones had this to say about his running back core for the coming year. You know, and uh, you know, we're a great illustration of that last year with Isaiah P. You know, everything starts with a great back. You know, because the back, which we found out last year, he can make you right when you're wrong. And I think also with a great back. It, uh, it develop, you develop solidarity within your offensive front and your tight end, and they take great pride in, in, in the block. And I know UConn has had a tremendous tradition of great tailbacks, and obviously he's a great tailback, and I think you know, with their offensive front, you'll see them. They'll be able to run the football. And uh, another Big East coach, Paul Christ from Pitt, uh, a new coach this year has uh, had this to say about his younger players. Playing more younger guys than 
you know, ideally, and you'd like to, I think it's really important to balance. I mean, you can't, it's not fair to a guy to have to play before he's ready because of circumstances other than that he's ready. And that's, I think, that we've got to make a good decision on. That's where the, that's the, that intersection. we got to make a good decision. If he's ready, young guy that's ready, I think it's fair. But if he's not ready, even if we need him, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And lastly, we have Syracuse coach Doug Maroney talking about uh, the upcoming schedule for 2012 for the Orangemen. Your football team. I know that you know people have come up and said things about you know you guys are playing Stony Brook. Let me tell you something right now. Look at that. Look at that roster. They have some transfers on that roster. I know coaches from other schools where these kids are transferred from that flat told me these kids can play. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have all we can handle when we play them, but that's down the road. Our goal right now is to preseason and become a better football team, tougher, and uh, prepare ourselves for the season. That's what we're looking forward to right now. So there you have it, all eight Big East coaches talking about various parts of their program and those of their opponents coming into the 2012 season. It's great to have football back. And as I said at the top, the Big East, like all other conferences in America, has undergone absolutely dramatic changes. Missing this year were the West Virginia Mountaineers from Big East Football Media Day. Uh, I covered the Mountaineers back in the day and uh, was enjoying interviewing both coach and players last year at Big East Football Media Day, but they weren't there this year. And also Pitt and Syracuse will be leaving the Big East, but yet uh, what they have coming on is, frankly, unbelievable because next year joining the Big East Conference will be Boise State, Southern Methodist, Memphis, Houston, Central Florida, and San Diego State. So that's pretty remarkable. It's going to become a 12-team conference. And, uh, you know, don't know if they can keep that Big East name because, as you can clearly hear, they're going uh, coast to coast uh, a year from now. And Boise State, obviously, just, uh, you know, the, the most interesting mid-major in America, and they have been for the last number of years. And uh, so I look forward to next August's Big East Football Media Day when we're really going to have a huge national flavor uh, beyond what it is already. So again, it was just an excellent event, and uh, and it's going to be interesting. I know one of the early games is... Uh, UConn hosting Division One's uh, newest entry, uh, which is going to be University of Massachusetts. They're uh, they're going to be playing their games at nearby Gillette Stadium, so, and they're going to be in the MAC. So it's uh, going to be getting off to a good start here in just a couple of weeks. So now it's time for our break, and joining us next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America 
Arena Sports. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And joining us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, how are you doing today? Excellent, John. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, well, we've had a big week with the Olympics, among other things, uh, going on. And so why don't we just start right off with the Olympics? And what's your take on uh, week one of the Olympics? Well, I think, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, uh, you know, the, the swimming competition, you know, the, the, the duels between, uh, the back and forth duels between Brian Lochte and uh, Michael Phelps have been pretty compelling. Um, you know, I think the, the basketball team, uh, you know, the men's basketball team has pretty much played as expected. Um, you know, I think there were, there were some uh, rumblings, a little controversy before the game started with, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant saying that this team could beat the original Dream Team. And, of course, that elicited a response from Michael Jordan saying, uh, no, I don't think so. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, a, a little bit of back and forth before that, uh, before the game started regarding that. But, uh, you know, I think this, this uh, edition of the uh, U.S. Olympic men's basketball team has certainly uh, uh, backed up, you know, the, some, some of the boasts and some of the talk. And, you know, listen, I don't think anybody really expected things to go uh, any differently than they have, you know, I think once you get to the point where they'll, they'll play a team like Spain, maybe that might be their, uh, you know, their, their biggest hurdle to the gold medal. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, that should be well worth watching. Um, I think the, uh, the women's soccer team, you know, uh, which we've all become uh, very familiar with over the last couple of years, uh, you know, with their foray to the world cup finals and, uh, you know, also, uh, Uh, you're only about about halfway through, so uh, 
it should be a lot more interesting and a lot more uh, compelling stories in the week. Yes, it's going to be great, uh, you know, right off the bat, track and field up ahead and obviously getting deeper into the uh, uh, soccer and basketball um, as they get closer and closer to metal-type games. Uh, I had mentioned earlier in the show about uh, women's gymnastics and the huge ratings that, of course, that draws. And Ali Raisman from nearby Needham has become a central figure in the games given how she lost the tiebreaker and thereby did not get a medal. She ended up in fourth place. She was tied for third, but tiebreaker threw her back to fourth. And uh, have you had a chance to catch any of the women's gymnastics? A little bit. Um, yeah, I think, I think gymnastics is one of those sports that it always does well in the Olympics because, uh, you know, the Olympics uh, traditionally, you know, there are a lot of sports fans watching the Olympics, but traditionally the Olympics... Uh, is a TV event that draws the non-traditional sportsman or the casual sportsman or or not the sportsman at all because of all the human interest stories and all the uh, uh, all the, the entertainment value of it. And I think uh, gymnastics, particularly women's gymnastics, uh, falls right into that category. I mean, let's put it this way: was not a sportsman, much of a sportsman at all. She loves the uh, Olympic gymnastics competition. That's her favorite thing to watch. So. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's pretty typical. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of interest uh, in a sport like gymnastics, uh, you know, from from people who generally, you know, only tune in only tune to sports maybe once every four years to watch the Olympics. So, um, you know, that that's pretty much expected. But yeah, it's, that's been a lot of fun so far as well. And uh, you know, I think we'll do more of that in the days ahead too. Although I think we've seen a, you know, a good part of the. Uh, gymnastics competition, uh, you know, kind of winding down, but, uh, you know, plenty more to come for sure. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, gymnastics is the kind of thing, like a lot of us that, you know, I don't think about much until, uh, I'm physically watching it as I have been this week. And when I'm watching it, it's pretty impressive. I must say, I mean, what they do on everything, you know, from the vault, to the floor exercises, uh, but particularly the balance beam, for me, I just find nothing short of remarkable and, you know, very impressive athletes, to say the least. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's good stuff. I mean, you know, I was, I was watching the, uh, my wife and I watching the other night, the, uh, the pommel horse competition and just the precision and, and the movement and, and the, you know, you talk about athleticism. I mean, these, guys, these, these people are unbelievable in what they can do. And it was kind of funny because I was watching uh, one of the competitors, one of the Americans, I, I don't remember who it was, but uh, you know, he, he was doing his routine. And toward the end of the routine, the commentator was like, oh, no, what, that's terrible. Oh, oh that's going to cost him a medal. And my wife looked, and I looked at each other like, well, I don't know what he's even thought. It looked great. I, I just totally missed it. So, you know, they had to go to the replay and showed exactly what he was talking about. I was like, oh, okay. You know, he didn't, he, uh, apparently the, uh, the gymnast had... Uh, you know, kind of stopped in the middle of a move right towards the end of his performance. And, you know, but to the untrained eye, it looked pretty good, you know? So, uh, you know, but yeah, it, it's interesting to watch. But, you know, the whole, the whole point, I guess, is, you know, gymnastics uh, is a sport that we, we, most of us really are not that familiar with. And, you know, of course, there's no, you know, uh, American professional gymnastics team, you know, Boston and New York don't play each other in gymnastics. So it's, it's something that we don't normally pay a whole lot of attention to and watch that closely. But, you know, when we have the opportunity to touch it on, on an international stage, you know, as we do in the Olympics, you know, it, 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 it's the best of the best. So uh, it's the top 
top athletes in the world performing in their particular sport. So you know, it immediately becomes compelling television and compelling stories. So uh, that's why we that's why we watch the Olympics. That's why we enjoy it so much. Yes, and it was great to watch, uh, you know, the Americans and the Russians squaring off head-to-head in the uh, gymnastics competition, both individually and the team uh, team championships as well for the gold medal. Uh, you know, it was going old school and uh, like a throwback to the old days of the Cold War when, uh, sure. you know, it was a blood feud. And, of course, you know, the emotions from these young women are just incredible. Uh you know, to say the least, and, and I just think it, it clearly makes for compelling television. There's no question about that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. And, it's uh, you know, again, it's, it's something we, we don't normally, you know, pay a whole lot of attention to. I mean, how many people are really, like, into into gymnastics? I mean, as far as watching it as a spectator sport, I, I, I can't, really, can't really think of anybody. And I know that falls into that category. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, certainly... In an event like the Olympics, where you have your maybe non-traditional sports fans watching it, um, you know that, that it's, it's going to get a lot of play. And it's going to get a lot of interest, and uh, these are the things that we look forward to. Uh, you know, when we talk about the Olympics. So, I mean, certainly, you know, basketball we watch all the time. You know, uh, soccer to a lesser degree. Uh, sports we're more familiar with. You know, tennis, of course. You know, uh, you kind of, you know, you kind of wonder if you know tennis, for instance, is one of those interesting paradoxes to me because, you know, I think certainly, you know, I think basketball too for that matter. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a lot of pride for an athlete playing for his or her particular country, but obviously I think, you know, in the world of tennis, I think more attention and more, um, you know, more focus is certainly on the majors, on the professional majors, you know, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, uh, the Grand Slam events than there is on the Olympic Games. And I think the same goes for basketball. I mean, I think you talk to any basketball fan, you know, they're not going to really, you know, when you ask them, the, you know, what's the, you know, the best thing that you like to watch about, uh, you know, involving uh, basketball, of course, they're going to say the NBA. They're going to say the NCAA tournament. You know, the Olympics will probably be third, I would say. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, tennis is kind of the same thing. So it's more like that. You know, you, you, you know we're, we're obviously used to watching those sports and those athletes all year round. Uh, in their in their top forums, uh, but you know sports like you know uh, like gymnastics or, or, or swimming. You know we don't really think about swimming that much either for the same the same reasons. You know there's no there's no swimming league. So you know I, I think that, that's what's so compelling about the Olympics is you know, when, you, when you get a chance to watch the sports and the athletes that you don't normally get to see that much. I mean everybody knows who Michael Phelps is. Everybody has known who Michael Phelps is. But you know you only really only focus on on an athlete of his caliber uh, during the Olympics. I mean, they have world championships in swimming every year, but, you know, nobody pays much attention to it. But, you know, once you get to the Olympics, it's, uh, it's, it's the big stage. So that's, that, that's what makes it so so interesting and, and there, why there's so much interest involved in that. Yes, and we're down under three minutes here, but I just did want to touch on the opening ceremonies, which I watched last Friday night, uh, which I thought were really very well handled. Uh, you know, it was... An interesting uh, journey through time, shall we say, through English history. And, uh, yeah, I just thought they did a great job, capped off, of course, by Paul McCartney, and uh, that was great. And then the Parade of Nations, uh, always interesting. As, uh, as much as I like to think I know geography, they always throw five or six countries at me that I've never heard about before, and it happened again this year. 
I uh, can't believe how that happens, but it does every four years. And uh, but yeah, my one disappointment was only that, and I didn't find out till after the fact. Apparently, there was some tribute to uh, terrorist victims or whatever that was not aired because instead, uh, I guess NBC had a interview with Michael Phelps, and you know, although what I saw was very interesting. That's the one thing that sounded like it would have been very interesting to see. So I'm surprised, frankly, at least if it's been rerun, I haven't seen it. But I know there was some uh, criticism of that. But all in all, I think NBC's done a fine job. Uh, you know, working with that time difference is not easy, but they're managing it as well as you can, I think. Yeah, I'm, it's interesting. The, the, one, the, one, uh, the one thing we were doing uh, during the Parade of Nations, uh, was we were kind of playing the game of viewers were watching you know, the Parade of Nations, and on the, on the screen, he told you, like, which nation would be coming next. The thing that we were, we were trying to predict, how many athletes each particular country had, would have the Olympics. Okay, here go, Botswana, Botswana is next, okay. What do we have, three, six, seven, you know, and right. so it was kind of fun just trying to figure out, you know, how many athletes would be representing each particular country, so that, that, that certainly kept us entertained. But yeah, the Parade of Nations is always fun to watch, absolutely. A little newsroom humor, huh? Something to keep yeah. the night going quicker? Yeah, very little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we do stuff like that from time to time, but uh, yeah, that, 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 that kind of made it entertaining. And of course, those always, you know, watching the, 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 the athletes come in, drink and dress in there, you know, some are more traditional garb than others, and, you know, obviously uh, there was a big uh, to-do about the U.S. Uh, uniforms having been in China, et cetera, so there's a lot of that going around, and you know, trying to see what the different countries were wearing and, you know, what the athletes were, were looking like when they came in. But that's always fun to see. Oh, absolutely. It's great. Uh, all right, Barry. Well, great perspective from you on the Olympics. Appreciate that. And uh, right now it's time for our break. And I know you're sticking around for the next segment. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, uh, we covered the Olympics pretty well in the previous segment, so let's move into a little uh, NFL action. And once again, no surprise, I'd say that the Jets and the Giants have been dominating this week's news. The Jets, because of Tebow, of course. And the Giants got in the news a little bit, defending Super Bowl champions, I might add, when they... uh, when Jerry Jones uh, talked about how his team is going to beat the Giants and John Mara, uh, the owner of the Giants, responded by uh, making a quip about, uh, didn't hear about it because he was wrapped up in the Tebow coverage, which I thought was a great New York line. So uh, tell me, you're down in New York. What's happening with the Jets and the Giants? Well, yeah, it is funny because... Uh you know, obviously, uh, you know, John Mara was at, and and, and, let, and let's make it clear that John Mara did not react to the Jerry Jones uh, quote until he was asked to react to the Jerry Jones quote, because that's not the giant style, you know, to kind of, you know, comment on these types of things. But, uh, you know, Jerry Jones at a pep rally at Texas State says, you know, we want you all to come back, come down here and watch us kick the Giants. But, except he didn't say but, he said something else. So uh, John Mara was asked to respond, and he kind of laughed. He said, well... You know, I, I honestly didn't. I didn't hear about that. You know, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. But he said I didn't hear about that because you know it was too busy with all the Tim Tebow coverage to pay attention to anything else. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been kind of crazy, and you know, it's, it's but it's kind of kind of true to form with the way uh, you know Jets uh, carry themselves and the way the Giants carry themselves. I mean, you know, if, if you just kind of walk, if you were living under a rock and just kind of you know wound up in New York, paying attention, you know, kind of watching. The, uh, the way the Giants are being covered and the way the Jets are being covered, um, you know, you would never know the Giants are defending Super Bowl champions because it's been the Giants have been kind of quiet, just kind of you know going about their business as as is their uh, their mo. I mean, they would probably prefer that all the um, all the attention be in other places. And of course, you know, the uh, arrival of Tim Tebow, uh, you know, with the Jets in Cortland, New York, it's, it's been. Uh, you know, uh, I guess it's, I guess you can say it's been a media circus, and you know where we've been as as, as uh, involved as anybody in that. You know, we run a a Tebow tracker in the paper every day. You know what, what he does, you know, pretty much by the minute, by the clock. And uh, you know, it's not just us; it's all of me. It's all it's all the media. It's all the newspapers. It's all the radio stations. It's ESPN. It's everybody. And you know, obviously, there's a lot of interest in Tebow and what he does. You know, is it over the top? If you're asking me, I, I'd say probably yeah, a bit over the top. Um, Especially considering that you know, the Jets have been very steadfast and very, and even Rex Ryan has said, "Listen, Mark Sanchez is our quarterback. Tim Tebow is is a backup. You know, we, we, he's a great athlete. We're going to use him in some way. Uh, you know, the, they're talking about using him obviously in a wildcat formation. But they're thinking about it maybe a special teams. That's been discussed. So you know, and, and and Tebow caused you know kind of a stir last week, the first day of camp, when he decided to take his shirt off in the, in the during a, a rainstorm and. You know that uh, that got in the paper, and he was kind of saying, "Well, gee, I didn't know that was that would be such a big deal." But it's like people can't get enough of Tebow, and you know he is very popular, and he is a huge fan base. Uh, 
you know, Evo Nation, for lack of a better term. But and I, and I get all that. But you know, let it, it, there's there are other players too. There's other teams. Um, but you know, uh, started with you know Rex saying that he's the he was, he's the best defensive coach in football. Uh, you know, he, he can actually kind of back that up a little bit because uh, you know, the Jets defense has played pretty well. But uh, you know, the best I don't know about that. But uh, you know, and then you have the uh, Antonio Cromartie. He's the second best receiver the Jets had. He's defensive back, by the way. So, you know, of course, a little there. And meanwhile, the Giants, you know, you're a peak of the Giants. You know, it's like, you know, they, they don't respond to any of this. And they kind of, you know, again, they kind of go about their business. But, you know, if you were, if you, I think if you were to ask them, you know, the way they'd want to uh, do their business, you know, I know Tom Coughlin would probably say, you know what, let's just focus on what we do. And we're not paying attention to what anybody else does. And, you know, that's just fine. You know, if the Jets want to, you know, have all the attention go their way, you know, we're, we're, we're just fine with that, you know. So we'll, we'll, just, we'll just go out and you know, win two Super Bowls in four years so, and uh, let the Jets keep talking. So that, that, that's kind of where that's at as far as the, the dynamic between the Jets and Giants go. And quite the dynamic it is, to put it mildly. Uh, you know, mission accomplished for the Jets. I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, they need, as, as you know better than anyone, they need to uh, – you know, try to win the battle of the back pages in New York City. And since they haven't been able to do it with their play in recent years, despite getting to a couple of AFC championship games, uh, you know, last year with the Giants making a run to the Super Bowl and uh, and the Jets really falling apart at the end, they needed to do something. And uh, I can't think of a better thing to do than getting Tebow into camp. So... It is amazing to watch, you know, the uh, Tebow Nation, as you put it, uh, just, you know, turn turn this athlete into, you know, really one of the most uh, well-known athletes in re- recent memory. I mean, Tebow Mania in Denver last year was something to behold, and I, we haven't seen anything yet. I mean, we all know the best is yet to come, because when he, uh, Mark Sanchez throws his first interception, which I'm guessing won't be too long into the season, uh, the cries for Tebow will start big time. Yeah, never mind the first interception. I put the first three and out. I mean, it's, yeah, right. You know, Good point. I, I, honestly, you know, as an observer, I, I kind of feel bad for Mark Sanchez because he's kind of in a no-win situation. I mean, you know, if he if he plays well, it's like, well, you're expected to play well. You are you are an NFL quarterback. You know, is he one of the top quarterbacks? I'm not so sure about that, but you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna have pressure to play Tim Tebow right from the start because people want to see Tim Tebow play. And, you know, if Sanchez struggles a little bit right out of the gate, you know, those, those, they're, they're going to be screaming to, to see Tebow. And you know that's going to happen. So, you know, it, 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 it's kind of, you know, you know that shoe's going to drop and you know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of kind of when. You know, I'm, And I'm not saying that I think that, you know, Tim Tebow is going to be the starting quarterback by week six. I'm not saying that at all. But I think, you know, yeah, I agree there's going to be a lot of pressure on Sanchez and on the Jets to, you know, to, to get Tebow on the field and, and, and to get him out there because, you know, his, his fans and there are, there's a legion of them, as we know, as we saw last year. I mean, it was you know, pretty magical what happened in Denver, but, you know, can that be sustained over the course of a whole season? I don't think so, but, you know, don't try to tell, uh, you know, Tim Tebow's fans that. They, want to, they think he's great and they want to see him play. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get to see him play in, in, you know, to some extent. And, you know, who knows? If Sanchez struggles uh, or if he gets hurt, then, 
then we're going we're gonna to see what Tim Tebow can do to the Jets, and then it's going to be probably even more of a circus than it is right now. I mean, let's, I mean, let's, let's put it in perspective, okay? I mean, training camp just started. We're a week in the training camp. I look where we are. So, you know, once the season starts, it's, you know, you talk about a circus, it's going to be, you know, you know 12 big tops going on uh, when the Jets play. So as opposed to maybe give you one when the Giants play. So it, 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 it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting for sure. I mean, maybe we'll all get sick of Team Tebow by week two. Maybe we will, but, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. And, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have to figure out the, figure out the roadmap here. Well, it's going to be great, and I'm already uh, looking forward to Sunday, October 21st at 4.15 when the Jets invade their arch-rival, New England, right here at nearby Gillette Stadium, and uh, them and the Patriots will be great, and then I believe they're playing on uh, Thanksgiving night, Patriots at Jets, uh, mm. so on NBC, so that's just going to be uh, awesome. Well, I will say this, if Tebow does in New York what he did last year in Denver, watch out. It will be the legend of Tim Tebow. Uh, will grow beyond anything we've seen in recent memory. I mean, what, what went on last year was absolutely incredible. So, But if he does it in New York uh, with any kind of that last-minute flair, uh, it'll be incredible. So I liked it last year, and I wouldn't mind to see it again this year. I, I think it's fun. Uh, but, Barry, we're under two minutes. I'd like your quick thoughts on what I thought was another interesting story, which was Ben Roethlisberger's uh, minor tear, apparently, of his rotator cuff. It sounds scary to me, uh, but nobody seems too worried down there about the down in uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I, anytime you hear that with, 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 a, with a quarterback, you know, like, like a big league pitcher or a quarterback, a rotator cuff's a big deal. But, uh, you know, uh, apparently they've, he's been examined. Apparently they say it's not a big deal. But, you know, I think that's, that seems to me like, you know, not having any inside information at all, but that just seems to me to be the kind of thing that we really, I think, we should be keeping our eye on because, you know, we one hit and one more, one more uh, incident, and, you know, that thing could tear, and then you're talking about him being out for, out for an entire season. You know, we were talking about, you know, maybe a Tommy John type of surgery. So, you know, I, I think, that, you, know, uh, you know, again, the Steelers are kind of like the Giants. You know, they don't, they don't, they, they, the, the, the Roonies and the Maras are, you know, obviously they're, uh, uh, interrelated, uh, so you know, they kind of operate the same way, and they, uh, you know, everything's pretty low key. So you know, they want to make a big deal about it, but uh, you know, again, you know, I think that's the thing we really need to keep our eye on uh, as far as the Steelers' chances this year. Yes, well, it's going to be interesting because uh, the way the Steelers' season ended at the hands of Tebow and that uh, first play of overtime last year in the playoffs, uh, I have a strong feeling that. Assuming Roethlisberger will be healthy and it's no issue whatsoever, that the Steelers are going to bounce back really strong this year, uh, despite the fact that Mike Wallace is uh, uh, in holdout mode, which the Steelers simply will not tolerate, needless to say. Um, but Barry, as always, thank you for your great perspective, and uh, we will look forward to doing it all again next week. Uh, I want to thank everybody from Voice America for listening, and look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.